Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, you look marvelous, darling. So glad all of you here June, finally. It's kind of a rebound. You're looking good. Of course, it's smoky and dark, but I'm going to having a positive confession. All right. Let's stand to our feet and hold our Bibles up. Come on. Y'all are good. I like you. I really do. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So glad that you are here. Um, This is a uh, kind of the second sermon in this mini-series, Make Us. Uh, Last week was Make Us Expectant, this week is Make Us resilient. Uh, When I think about resiliency, I think about bouncing back. Really just whenever adversity comes or strikes or whatever the issues are, that you don't get stuck there. So many people take one event, one moment in time, and we often turn it into a monument at which we worship every day. And it's not a good place of worship because it's something that hurts you, kept you down. And the Bible wants you to make a comeback and to bounce back. And, uh, you know, what that simply means is like in, in the terms of basketball, I don't know how you ever played basketball. Jesse coached basketball for a long time. He retired and started preaching. So uh, this ball will do incredible things. It will do actually what it was designed to do when it's filled with air. Now, if you take the air out of this ball, it it will look the same from a distance. It might even feel similar unless you squeeze it, but without air, it won't bounce. In your life, in my life, without the Spirit of God, the air of heaven, in our lives, there's no way to bounce back. You can try to come back, you can try to step back, but you'll never bounce back because you don't have air. You don't have the Spirit of God in your life. So we need to make sure that we're filled with the Spirit of God so that we can have our bounce back. I didn't tell you you could go anywhere. That's right. Come back to me. Come on. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 24. How many of you would like to bounce back? I don't want to just come back. I want to spring back. You know, some people don't even crawl back. You, you've been down. You said, I, I've, been this, I've been here so many times, I just quit. Give up. You can't quit. You can't give up. As long as you have breath in your being, you and I are called to represent the power of God to a world that desperately needs power, which means when we fall down, we get up. When we get knocked down, we get up. When we slip up, we get up. We don't ever quit. We don't ever give up. We get up. We bounce back. And so many times people will tell you what you can and can't do based on their perspective and their opinion. 
well, you know, you, you know, after you got fired from two or three jobs in a row, you know, I'm, I'm just saying it's pretty much over for you. No, it's not over for you. You were stupid on the previous three. Get smart. You can, you can bounce back. Yeah, it's going to take some adjusting. It doesn't mean you just bounce back being the same person doing the same things you've always done. But you can make changes and adjustments that afford you the opportunity to bounce back. And, and, and don't quit. <laughs> so many people just quit. But this says in Proverbs 24, verse 15 and 16, it says, Do not lie in wait like an outlaw against a righteous man's house. Do not raid his dwelling place. For though a righteous man falls seven times... He rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. You can know whether someone is a righteous man or woman by their response or reaction to adversity. You can try to take them down. You can try to take them out. You can do everything in your power to destroy another human being's life. But what other human beings don't realize, their power cannot match the power of God. Your bounce back is a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that fills your life. Now, there are times in our lives when we need somebody to breathe on us and breathe life into us. There will always be people there available to suck the life out of you. Because misery loves company and much of the world is miserable. Now, I'm not saying that to be mean or tacky. I'm just simply saying I lived in that world. And it, we always looked for everything that could go wrong instead of all the wonderful things that could go right. And, and so is the glass half empty? Is the glass half full? I believe the glass is completely full. I don't care how much water's in it because at least it's full of air. I didn't smoke anything at all this morning. This is just 100% air from the Holy Spirit. Out of the Message Bible, it says, Don't interfere with good people's lives. Don't try to get the best of them. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon, they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. You know, you may have a season. You may have a moment. You know, some people, some people been in prison. They could have quit in prison. And then sometimes they just sit on the front row in church and shout and say, I did it. I'm out. I got up. I bounced back. And you know what? They are the tiggers of faith. You know, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, always bouncing. Okay. Wow. I never thought that Tigger would have a dispensation and that was it. Resilience is the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or even significant sources of stress, such as family, relationship problems, serious health problems, or workplace and financial stressors. It means bouncing back from difficult experiences. Bouncing back from difficult experiences. A man who was losing his memory went to his doctor for advice. He received this diagnosis. We cannot help your memory without impairing your eyesight. The choice is yours. Would you rather be able to see or to remember? Now, don't miss this. The man thoughtfully replied, 
I would rather have my eyesight than my memory. I'd rather see where I'm going than remember where I've been. See, too many times we're trying to remember where we've been and God is pointing our head this way and our eyes are in the front of our heads so that we can see where we're going. And too often our memory tells us and reminds us how many times we've failed, how many stupid things we've done instead of turning around and saying, that's in the past. It's in the past. It's, uh, it's amazing how good our memory is when it comes to stupidity. And how blind we are when it comes to looking for opportunity. I want to tell you today, this is your comeback time. This is your bounce back. This is a time for you to get back up and move forward. So number one, if you're taking notes, and I would recommend that you do so, simply this, have a plan. Create a plan. Do something that says strategically, here's what I'm going to do to bounce back. It's called creating a designer life. Now, the scary thing about doing this is that the plan is not what gets you to where you want to be. It's engaging the plan, working the plan. And that means sometimes doing things that you wouldn't normally do. So in John 3, 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This was God's plan. So when Jesus came to earth, you've got to understand all of the criticism, the mockery, the hatred, the ultimately the crucifixion, that you can ask yourself what held him in place during that whole process. I believe that Jesus kept going back to the reason that he was sent here. You and I have to, at some point, come to grips with why we're here. What did God put me here for? What am I called to do? What am I best at? What fulfills me? What satisfies me? What do I think about when I lay my head down on my pillow at night? And what do I wake up to in the morning? I got to tell you, there are many times, and most pastors would tell you numerous times, that you just want to quit and walk away. There are hard days. There are hard weeks. There are people who hate you. There are schisms that arise in the church today. And and people talk, and you ought to leave the church, and you ought to do this, and pastor hears about it and goes, but I, I helped them, and I've done this. All of those things uh, we have to fight through, and, and we have to walk through, and we have to work through, and we have to say, but this is the plan of God. I can't imagine doing anything else. Matter of fact, the thought of doing anything else is, is frightening to me. That's the most frightening thing in the world is, what would I do if I wasn't doing this? And it has nothing to do with finances. It had everything to do with fulfillment. Yeah. Is this what I'm really... There was never a question when I was called to do this. There was never been a question, this is what I was called to do. Now, I thought maybe God was going to retire me early and, and give me a heavenly 401k or something. You know, I thought maybe I'm, maybe I'm just done. You know what I'm saying? And I really wasn't mad at all. But, but you know, I, I can't imagine waking up without sharing the gospel. 
loving on people and seeing people's lives transformed. And so that's God's plan for my life. And, and so you have to identify what it is that you really want to be doing, what, what satisfies you. And don't measure it against the world's uh, picture or image of success. Because there are people that are very, very happy doing what they're doing. My, my dad was a very hardworking man. And he worked for Oklahoma Natural Gas for 33 years. And, and he loved all of his life. I mean, every home I lived in, he built with his own hands. He could do anything with his hands. He, he loved working with his hands. And uh, he was such a good employee. He, he had a GED, did not graduate from high school, wasn't well-educated, but unbelievably skilled. And so Oklahoma Natural Gas one day asked him, we, we'd like to make you a supervisor over a number of field technicians, and uh, the, the, the money would be substantially better if you took this job. And my dad's thinking, man, we could use more money, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So I recall they gave him a brand new car and everything, and, and so his day would be going in the office making sure all of his technicians had their orders and, and then making sure they implemented them. And then if anything went wrong with a customer, he had to represent the company. I watched my dad for one year at this job. It almost killed him. After a year, he went to them and said, this is not what I need to be doing. So he said, I want my old job back, which was a reduction in pay and, and certainly in status. And he said, I don't really care. This is what I want to be doing. And he didn't fortunately measure it against money or how people perceived him, what they thought about him. He just said, I got to be in a place where every day I find joy in what I'm doing. We live in a world that is all about success and money and wealth and all of those things. And I, I'm not minimizing that uh, having finances does contribute to a certain quality of life. However, nothing contributes to the quality of life like finding the place that God has for you in this world. There's nothing like it. And so, I mean, I'm sure out of college I could have done a lot of different things, but this has just consumed me. The, the call of God compels me. And preaching the gospel is just something that brings great joy to my life. And so you have to find that place. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Remember that. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Know where you're going. A plan and a purpose help us bounce back when there is a misstep or a mistake. When I went through my crisis, all I could remember was this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm called to do. And if the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, or one translation says they're irrevocable, what does that really mean? It means they're irrevocable. It doesn't mean, see, this is the thing. We, we oftentimes look at what we've done instead of look at what Jesus did to take care of what we would do. Amen. That's what the cross was all about, Jesus taking care of all of our stupid mistakes. It wasn't just about heaven, though that's a wonderful thing, but it was about us being able to do what God called us to do and calls us to do here on earth. And so please grasp that God's plan for your life hasn't changed. Our plan and our purpose must always be bigger than our adversity and our difficulty. In other words, you've got to see possibility as bigger than adversity. The minute adversity gets bigger than possibility, possibility, 
you will live in the shadows of your destiny instead of the light of your destiny. You see, you, you've, got to, you've got to run to that place of possibility that is designed and created by <clears throat> a plan. Be a big thinker. The bigger you dream, the smaller the possibility of little foxes spoiling your vine or your plans will be. <clears throat> Keeping that dream before you at all times. One man writes, visionaries are not people whose eyesight can peek into the future necessarily. Visionaries are those who can peer around them, who can see life for what it is, who can see God for who God is. They are people who can read the signs of the times, not the signs of the future. You don't have to know the future. You just have to know God. Amen. The Bible says those who know their God will do great exploits. And so God has a plan and a design, and sometimes people don't find that until late in life. Uh, they didn't realize that, that there was a plan or a design. And so a part of the bounce back is when you find that plan, getting involved with it and doing it. Number two, have good friends. Now, have good friends. This is one of my favorite lines. First off, your life is not more successful because you have many friends. Your life will be more successful because you have the right friends. A lot of people say, well, I don't have many friends. If you've got three really good friends, you're a very extremely blessed individual. I'm seriously. Don't look around and say, I've got to make more friends. As a matter of fact, the time came when I was praying and I was doing my planning every year. And, and one of the, the questions that used to be asked in this planning scheme was, well, what, how many more friends do you want this year? And I put zero. Yeah. Why would I put zero? Because I didn't feel like I was a good enough friend to the friends I had. So I wanted to be a better friend more than having more friends. Now, I'm open to that, and I'm open to all kinds of friendships that God wants me to have. But the reality is, it's not the number of friends that you have that will make you. As a matter of fact, if you have too many friends that aren't good friends, they might break you. See, you have an assignment, which is the plan, and then the most important thing for that assignment to, 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 to be fulfilled is alignment. If you have a good assignment, but you have a wrong alignment, it's tragic. So that's how come it's so important for us to realize that our alignment needs to line up with our assignment. Who are the people you're with? Who are the people you're hanging out with? If you want to bounce back, it might be time to get away from people who have no air in their soul. Ask yourself a simple question. When I walk away from a person, how do, they, how do I feel? Not how do they make me feel, but how do I feel having been around them? Do I feel encouraged? Do I, do I feel confident? Do they make me feel like I could climb a mountain? Or are they the kind of people that make me go, man, I, I don't know. They made me question my destiny, my call, my plan. I want to be around people who breathe life on me. I want to be around people who cheer me on. I want to be around people who applaud my successes and pick me up in my failures. I, those are the people I want to be around. You want to bounce back, you got to get some people who will breathe air into your life. A combination of factors contributes to resilience. Many studies show that the primary factor in resilience is having caring and supportive relationships within and outside your family. 
Now, John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's plan or business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I've learned from my father. This is Jesus. I have made known to you. So just as I'm opening my mouth and speaking right now, I want you to ask yourself the question, who are the people that contribute to my forward movement, to my plan, to my destiny? Who are those people? I'll never forget that I had a couple on staff, both of them, before they came on staff, were pilots. And uh, the reason they came out of the air from flying planes, and one of them would fly into storms. That was what she did. It was a lady. She would fly into the middle of storms to measure the, the strength of the storm and then to also release certain gases into that storm so that it would dissolve. I mean, I don't know who would want to do that, but she did, and her husband was a commercial pilot. So they came to work for me, and I, what I appreciated about them, uh, and they were great employees, but after a period of time, their kids started growing up, and they came uh, into the church to work because they wanted to be home with their children. Uh, they came to me one day and said, you know, we, we've been here several years and we would like to, we think we want to fly again. And, and, and so as an employer, you're always looking and some employers would say, well, you're fired, take your two weeks and get out right now. But it's always been my heart to, when somebody has something on their heart and a, and a word from God is I just told them, I said, you can stay as long as you want, but I bless you to go. You don't need my blessing, but I know I want you to have my blessing because I know you're probably afraid right now that you're going to get fired. And I said, I'm not going to fire you. I'm going to dream with you, and I expect you to fly me for free someday. <laughs> I didn't say that, but is a thought. But, you know, I actually got them a job, both of them, flying a private plane for a man I knew. He called me one day, and he said, I said, how's it going? He said, I just lost my pilots. I said, I have pilots for you. He was shocked. They ended up flying for him, private airplane, for years. And I did actually end up flying with them one time. So it was a really great joy. What I'm saying is, ask yourself the question, do I breathe on other pre- people's dreams? Not only do people dream, uh, breathe on my dreams, but do, do I breathe on theirs? Do I get jealous when somebody has something good happening in their life? I tell you, I, I, my precious wife is... is uh, home today in, in, in uh, preparing for kids and, and uh, actually getting ready to go to the beach. And because uh, some of you wonder where she is, I said, honey, you just take all the time you want this summer. Do whatever you want to do. I said, I've lived in a glass house for most of my life. I said, I'm not here to impress anybody. So if you wonder how everything's going, everything's going great. She's having fun and I'm preaching having fun. It's a wonderful life. But I just decided in my life, I want to breathe into people, whether it's my wife, my kids. I just want to say, hey, what, what are you dreaming about? What, do you, what makes you happy? Do that. See, we have a tendency to control things, not because we like control, but because we are afraid of what would happen if we weren't in control. Controlling manipulative type behavior is very common in a fallen society where we want everything the way we want it because we're afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When you're going to bounce back, sometimes it's just fun. Just to say, God, here I am. and Whatever you want, that's what I want. So breathe on people. When you think that, that things aren't going to go quite the way you'd like or think they should, give them to God. Listen to this. The Bible talks about friendship this way. Two are better than one. Remember that scripture? Two can get, 
Two can, one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Again, we see the multiplication. A strand of three cords is not easily broken. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. You know, these are things we have to think about when it comes to friendship. I've had to let go of friends in my life that at some point we either came to this place where they no longer saw what I needed uh, to see, yeah, what I needed them to see to be a part of my life. And uh, I've had people do the same to me that walked out and maybe I wasn't contributing. Please don't be, take things personally uh, in life. There are seasons and there are reasons. There are seasons people in your life and there are reasons people are in your life. And sometimes those seasons come and they go and don't get mad. And then there's sometimes there's a reason they're there and they may be there for a lifetime. Just remember that in life, the most critical thing to being able to bounce back is keeping the joy of the Lord in your life. Keeping the Spirit of God at the forefront of your life. Number three, have designated times for recovery. This is something I did not do well in my life. I watched my dad work all the time. I grew up valuing work uh, more than uh, what work produced. I actually valued the work instead of what the work produced. In other words, I found my self-esteem, my self-worth in the work, not in the obedience that's how come we're saved by faith through grace, not by works. Because a lot of people find their Christianity, the value of their Christianity in their works for God. I no longer do that. I did that for a long time. I had to be here all the time, had to be in church all the time, had to answer every call. And I almost kill myself because I didn't understand what I'm teaching you today. This is why uh, when, I, when I'm gone we got Pastor Jesse, and I'm telling you, I trust him with everything in my world. And, there's, and so, you know, I don't have any qualms or questions. In fact, I, I wish he'd just let me take off a little bit more. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I can do that now. I can, I, can, I can allow myself to do that. I can allow my wife to do that. Whereas before, I never could because I was trying to make a good impression uh, on you. And what I've realized is I don't live to impress people. I live to obey Jesus. And in my obedience to Jesus, everybody's got to deal with it. We all have to. And so why can't we just love and live and, and enjoy life? That's my plan is to love, to live, to laugh, and to enjoy life. And you know what? People who are mad, they're just going to get more mad. You can, I mean, they're just mad. And, and don't be mad. Don't be a mad person. Madness only hurts you. Don't be bitter. Bitterness only hurts you. Don't be angry. Anger only hurts you. Don't be unforgiving. Unforgiveness only hurts you. And so a part of the recovery process is to deal with wrong emotions. We get busy. We get stressed. And before long, we start blaming other people for how we feel. Don't ever blame somebody else for how you feel. That's your fault how you feel. If you feel frustrated and stressed, that's your problem. You say, but no, people around me are acting stupid. Don't engage. I mean, I, I, I try all the time when somebody doesn't do what I want or if somebody's not accommodating the way I think they should. I just look and go, you know, I'm not going to allow myself to get stressed over this. I'm just not going to do it. It's not worth it. Matter of fact, do you not realize that stress and anger and all things I've talked about scientifically proven release toxins into your body? Yeah. 
A lot of people are sick, not because of any, any other reason other than they've allowed stress to consume their thoughts and their soul. And as a result of that, their body's toxic and sick. A large, in the 80 percentile, science has said is, uh, illnesses are psychosomatic. Over 80% of all illnesses are psychosomatic, how you think and how you process. If we could just learn to be full of the Spirit, we would bounce back. I want to be like the ball, just always bouncing, always coming back. Oh, well, look like high school again. Stunk then, stink now. Mark 1.33, the whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons, but he would not let a demon speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. That's the way pastors feel sometimes. Everyone is looking for you. You're not going to find me. And, and so there are times I've learned that I have to do what I have to do, just like you have to do what you have to do, and you have to rest. I used to feel guilty when I rested. I used to take everything with me. I used to take calls. I used to do everything. And, you know, the great joy of my life now is that I no longer feel that way. I'm just going to stay full of God, obedient to the Lord. And I believe when you do that, everything works out. Your body and mind function in frequencies. Listen to this. Submerged in everyday schedules, the human brain typically produces beta waves. These waves operate at 13 to 25 cycles per second. Beta waves are produced by a brain that is involved in keeping the body talking, walking, or working at a particular task. The brain absorbs information best when it is in a state of relaxed alertness. An alpha wave activity is any practice that clears the mind of everyday static and input clutter, opening the subconscious and airing out the mental crowding. Alpha waves are emitted when the conscious mind operates at only 8 to 12 cycles per second. So it's like almost half. It, it is these longer, lackadaisical alpha waves that are present when we daydream, when we let our imagination roam uh, on a long leash, when we crack open the window to our subconscious. And you know, the reason this is the way it is, is we live in a world that's demanding. You got to buy this, you got to pay that, credit card debt, we go on and on and on. And so your beta waves are working hard. Got to work, got to walk, got to talk. When you get to that place, you got to remember beta, alpha. I'm going to go to an alpha wave frequency and I'm going to allow myself to rest. Listen, try this three-step, three-step program, okay, remaining resilient in spirit, soul, and body. Number one, insight recovery, insight. That means you're still where you are. Maybe it's a lunch break where you say, I'm not going to lunch with anybody today. I'm going to go sit out in the sun and I'm going to daydream. I don't know how many of you intentionally daydream. Some of you just do it when you're driving down the road. It's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the wheel is not the place to daydream. 
Insight recovery, number one, and everybody needs this every day. Number two, off-site recovery. Now, insight recovery means I'm accessible. Off-site recovery means I'm reachable. I'm just off-site. Number three, out-of-sight recovery, which means I'm unreachable. Now, this is frightening, especially in a world where we have cell phones, we have 24-7 access. There are many people who never turn off their phone, and all you have to do if you have an iPhone is check your screen time and start identifying how much screen time you're spending every day. And if you really want to see a change in your life, reduce the amount of screen time on your phone. I just made some people mad. There's some husbands and wives been talking about this, and it ain't been happening. We're stressed because we now have at our fingertips tips all the crises, adversity, and difficulty that we could possibly read at the touch of a finger. Think about it. Used to, to get bad news, you had to find a newspaper or turn on the TV. Now you have it everywhere you go. So the idea here, believe it or not, in my opinion, is it goes, an iPhone or any electronic device goes from being a tool to being a weapon. A tool to a weapon. A machete can be used to cut down trees and our little limbs, and it can also be used to hurt people. And that's when it goes from being a tool to being a weapon. I can cut, cut away some shrub or whatever, uh, but now... If I use it against somebody, it becomes a weapon. And so what we have to realize is that we have to make sure that we're using everything the way we should be using it so that everything works the way it should be working. The reason a lot of people are out of wind, out of air, out of strength, deflated, is because they're not spending any time recovering. And so this summer, Susan and I, is our, you know, we're going to be uh, married over a year. And, you know, that first year is always difficult, even when you've never been married before. But we got through all of that. It's been great. And we just decided this summer, we said, you know what, we, we really need to, to be guarded and make sure that we're, we're full. And that's a part of the reason I told her, I said, honey, you just take all the summer you want. She's got all of her kids coming to the house and being with us. And it's just going to be a good time. And, you know, that would have stressed me out before, but now I can share it with you. Take a drink of Red Bull and just be happy camper. Now, lastly, have a positive outlook on life. And I'll conclude, have a positive outlook on life. If you really want to be resilient, quit looking at the problems and start looking at the possibilities. You know, we only live once. This is not dress rehearsal. It's not like golf. You don't get a mulligan. This is it. Make it count. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Part of this goes back to friends. Negative people have less impact on positive attitudes. Negative people have a more difficult time persuading or influencing a positive attitude. Now, this is very challenging, especially when our bodies get fatigued. Uh, But sometimes so many negative or bad things are happening, you almost have to laugh. (laughs) 
I was doing a wedding Thursday night. Uh, our drummer in Las Vegas asked me I'd do it. I said, okay. And uh, so I was flying back uh, last night. And um, for the third week in a row, my flight was canceled coming to Oklahoma City. You guys heard the first week, Father's Day, when I drove in from Dallas because I couldn't even get back. Then the next two weekends, my flights were canceled. And, and last night, no different. I said, I went, really? I want Jesus, we need to have a discussion here. And I was really tired. And I, I just, I thought, I, I, and I, you know, I got to that point. Have you ever got to that point where you just, you just wanted someone to mess up so you could hit them? I'm just being honest with you, you know. It was about that tired last night. I thought, give me a reason. I need to take this out on somebody. You know, of course, that's flesh. And I caught it. And I'm here, not in jail. So I just thought, wow. But I, again, negative things happen. And if we can take a look at them and go, it's going to be all right. Then our bodies will automatically begin to respond. Develop your attitude by possibility and versatility, not by adversity and difficulty. Read the right books, frame the right thoughts, say the right things. You know, reading the Bible is not, God's not impressed. I used to read the Bible through every year. And I thought God was really happy with me. And then I woke up one day and go, I think God loves me just the way I am. It was never about God being impressed with me reading his Bible. He gave me the Bible to help correct my thinking, not to impress him. People say, well, I've, I've got to read the Bible. That, that will make God happy. No, reading the Bible will make you happy. Reading the Bible will make you a better person because you'll get the right thoughts in your head and the right attitudes in your heart. That's what the Bible's all about. The Bible is nothing more than that. And I'm telling you, I used to be a Pharisee. I guarantee, I could have probably been the vice president of the tribe. Maybe even the president. I got that good. I was up at 5 a.m. every morning praying. I read the Bible through every year. Did it make me better? Sure it did. But, but my thinking was wrong. I didn't, I, I mean, I got good out of it. You can never get bad out, but I got good out of it. But realizing that I was doing it for the wrong reason. You could take one verse every day, if you could just take one verse out of the Bible every day that would inflate you and fill you and remember it all day long, it will change your life. Just one verse every day. Now, some of you, you know, maybe, maybe you, you, know, you need to eat a little bit more of the Bible. I don't know. But the reality is it's what the Bible does in you and through you that changes everything. It will make you resilient. You'll be full of the Word of God. You'll be full of the Spirit of God. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you're going to, and your mind will tell you you're a hypocrite, you're a liar, and so many different things. But I used to look and say, shut up. I know my God. My God knows me. I'm doing the best I can. And, and I'm going to give Him honor. And I'm going to use His Word to help me think better and differently. That's just what I'm going to do. So I challenge you, have that thought. Every man should keep a fair-sized cemetery in which to bury his faults and the faults of his friends. Be sure that you don't give in. 
in every block of marble, listen to this, what Michelangelo said, in every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the eye, other eyes as mine see it. You have to see your life and begin to shape it as Michelangelo would shape marble. You have to see your life that way. And you have to say, I know who's in here. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I can do. And I know what God wants to do in me. And he who began a good work in every one of us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We're better together than we are apart. Your assignment will require a right alignment. Stay full of God's spirit. You'll bounce back from anything. And the devil will be absolutely confused. That's the part I really love. Because he doesn't get what God gave us. Because he can't take it. We can only give it. So don't give it to him. He can't take it away. It's all yours. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending your son, giving us the opportunity to bounce back by the name of Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be those of you today that have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior. As a result of that, your life is not full as mine was not before I knew him. And today, by praying a very simple prayer, your world can be changed forever. It'll be the beginning of new life. The old things passed away and all things being made new. So I want to ask everyone in here and those of you watching online to pray with me, if you would, this following prayer. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I call you my Lord and my Savior. Amen.